0: Hey folks, David Seidman Garland and today's episode of The Rise to the Top with the one and only Seth Godin is brought to you with no interruptions, shenanigans, commercials, anything like that during the episode thanks to our good friends at GoToMeeting by Citrix Online. It is the easiest way to have meetings face-to-face. Minus the face-to-face, if you know what I'm saying. So easiest way to have meetings online. You can now see the other people thanks to HD faces. You can do it from all kinds of different devices, iPhone, a- iPad, all that kind of jazz. Here's what I want you to do to check this out. And we thank you so much for supporting sponsors of The Rise to the Top. Head over to go to meeting.com, and you're going to see this orange try it free button. Click that button, you're going to get a 30-day free trial. But wait. Enter the promo code RISE after you hit that button, and you're going to get 45 days free on me. And now here's today's episode with Seth Godin. Enjoy. And welcome, my friends, to yet another The Rise to Top, and I hope you recognize today's uh, super awesome guest, Seth Godin, his third time joining us on The Rise to Top, the hat trick. Seth, always awesome to have you back, my man.
1: What a privilege. Thank you for having me. I'm glad you didn't throw me out after the first time.
0: That's right. We, we considered it, but we're, we're, we're very glad to have you back. So here's the thing. Um, you know, we, we talked about this before, but I reached out to our community uh, at the Rise to the Top and, and asked them about questions they wanted to ask you because I feel spoiled. I feel like I had two times to ask you everything I wanted to know, and they had plenty of questions. So we curated about 632 questions down to far fewer than that for you. Um, and I figured we could just hop literally right into it. So, sure. Recently, and actually, it starts with a little bit of tragedy, is that one of your mentors uh, and friends, Zig Ziglar, passed away. And Kim wants to know uh, what is one of the, or what is the single most important idea or lesson that you learned from him?
1: I can't pick one, so I'll pick two. Okay, Uh, fair enough. (laughs) The the first one is the method, which is uh, he said, that he almost never changed any lives as a result of his public speaking but that people who listened to the audio tapes or to the cds who listened as i in my case probably more than three thousand hours worth of listening uh, it drips in and it builds up and it makes a difference and so that's why my blog comes out for example every day uh, this idea that we don't hesitate to shower every day we don't hesitate to eat every day maybe we ought to start building a ritual of thinking every day and thinking about what we do and why we do it and how to do it with more impact. So that's one thing that I took away from his process. Um, In terms of his message, it seemed to me that it evolved over time. It started with how to sell more pots and pans to people who, in my opinion, probably couldn't afford them. Um, And it evolved pretty quickly into uh, how, how to do work worth doing, how to do work you'd be happy to show your mom how to do work that you could lay out. I did this because it was worth it, not because I got paid to do it. And when you're struggling, and I struggled for a really long time, sure, uh, it's very hard to keep that in mind. It's so easy to say, well, what scam could I run? What shortcut could I take? How could I make a few extra bucks? Because after all, I need it. Um, and harder to switch to uh, being somebody that they would miss if you were gone.
0: Uh, Excellent. Excellent. And that actually kind of leads right into, there's a few different categories of questions. One kind of being on writing and tribe building. And then also one of your favorite topics, which is about books. um, And then also a little marketing and some other stuff as well. But that kind of leads directly sort of into blogging. And and I know everyone knows this, but for those that don't, you've literally blogged. I I mean, we want to say every day. I mean, for the most part, every single day for how many years now?
1: Well, I can't remember missing a day in the last... Five maybe, but okay. when it, when we did the big book that that went to the Kickstarter people, I counted and there's 2.2 million words. On okay. the book so far. All right, so 2.2
0: million words, and if people had some questions about this because they see this and they they like their mind explodes. So Rachel, who is one of our our big fans here at the Rise to Top, she was saying that she loves how easy you know the posts are to read. They're very they're very they're always you, um and and she was curious about your methodology. For writing them, meaning, do you start with a longer post, trim it down? Um, do you have kind of a process you go through where you know you're jotting around notes all day, and then you remember how to go about it? Do you write four or five at a time? So basically, her question, and this was one of about fifty people that asked about this, nice. um, was sort of about your blogging process. There,
1: you know, when when I was first read about Andy Warhol, they talked about the fact that when he did his work, um, he would play the same record all day, over mm-hmm. and over and over again, and I thought about that. And I thought. Does that mean that there's a whole generation of, of visual artists that came along doing that because they thought that listening to the same song was going to help them be as successful as Andy Warhol? Uh, I'll tell you one secret. Uh, the secret is I write like I talk. Mm-hmm. And so I don't get talker's block. No one gets talker's block. And if I can say it out loud, I can make it into a blog post. Everything else is just commentary. Everything else is, you, there's lots of ways to do it. But in my experience... Uh, the easiest way to write is to just talk. What we know, uh, and it's in the new book, is writer's block did not exist before 1942. Writer's block is a brand new invention, and it has to do with thinking that your writing is too important and it's going to get you in trouble and it's going to be read by too many people, so we freeze up. Um, Well, just write like you talk.
0: Yeah, and that's great, and I think that's one of the challenges people have sometimes, and I know I've had that too, where I read someone and I love it, and then I meet them and they're very, very different, right? And you're, you're the opposite of that, meaning like, you know, it's exactly like you said, right? like you talk. Is there, you know, for people that are sitting there and they're resonating with that and they're like, oh, my God, that's totally what I'm doing. Maybe I'm not doing that. Maybe I'm struggling with that. Is it just one of those kind of practice makes perfect? I mean, after 2.2 million words, I'd assume you're pretty much consistent about the way that you talk and write. But for people, is it just practice makes perfect or is there anything else people can kind of do? I think that
1: the problem is most people don't talk very well.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: You're not able to write like you talk and succeed if you're not a good talker. So practicing your talking is a really worthwhile endeavor. You know. If you have a smartphone, you have a dictation machine in it, record yourself. Uh, if you teach, and I spent all my childhood and, and my 20s teaching, if you teach somebody how to paddle a canoe, or how to juggle, or how to do math, you will figure out if you're good at talking. Because if you can teach, you can talk, and if you can talk, you can write. So basically, good blogging is a form of teaching.
0: Oh, very cool. That, that's great advice. Now, one more question on blogging. Deanna mentions, um, you know, now that you've done this, you know, let's just say you haven't missed a day in five five plus years here. Um, if, what is one thing, if you could pick that out, that you know now that you wish you knew when you started on day one, word one, before we got to 2.2 million here about blogging?
1: I don't have any blogging regrets. Um, turning off comments was a brilliant thing I'm glad yeah. I did it You know, I should have done it sooner uh, committing to doing it every day isn't that big a deal uh, I think everyone is capable of saying something at least a sentence every day uh, not paying attention to my page views was a really smart move not running ads was a really smart move because I was very clear from the beginning about why I was doing it and I'm not doing it to make money and I'm not doing it to prove to anyone anything I'm not doing it to win I'm not doing it to keep score I'm doing it because I have something I want to teach and share and if people want to come partake I think that's fine
0: got it, it makes sense and, and did you uh, you mentioned the comments and I think I've seen some stuff that you talked about the comments before where uh, it was you know it was a little stressful to deal with there was a lot of you know sometimes some negative things that would come out a lot of different tire you know what what was your, ma- your main Kind of, Because it sounds like when you said that, it was almost like a weight was lifted. You're like, yeah. then the comments were killed, and, you know, and, then, and then life was good. Why was that? Why for you did that work out well?
1: Yeah, well, let's say there's anything important in your life, going on a date, cooking dinner, uh, having an intimate conversation with friends and family, doing your work. And then as part of it, you invite an unlimited number of anonymous people to come to your house and make fun of you while you're doing it yeah. in your house. Not fun. You know, and it's like, I I answer a lot of email. Please don't send me more, but I do answer a lot of email. And if it's from a non-anonymous person who has something constructive to say, I really like hearing it. But when an anonymous heckler wants to come into your house and criticize your work so he can be entertained, I'm not sure why I have to host that person. And what I was doing was as I was writing, I kept saying to myself, oh, I better be more clear here or someone won't understand it. And I better... Add another sentence over uh, here, they'll misunderstand me, and th- this will get critical. And by the time I was done, I had added 20 sentences, and it wasn't like me talking anymore. It was something else. Right. And I, if I have a choice between writing like this or not writing at all, I'd rather shut down the blog. And so those were my two choices, have comments or have no have no comments or have no blog. And it was easier to just say, you can comment on your own blog. You can do this anywhere you want, just not in my house. And yeah. Everyone wrote me, not everyone, hundreds of people wrote to me saying, this is not really a blog anymore. How dare you? You're never going never gonna to read you again. I said, okay.
0: Yeah. Your rule is your house. Do you know what I mean? I mean, your house, your rules. E- either way there. And, and it sounds yeah. Once you start trying to think of how do I appease all these random anonymous people, I can see how the voice uh, could be lost in there for sure. Um, yeah. Now, oh, by the way, one more question I'm writing. This is my own question. I'm stealing everyone else's questions here. But uh, is... When you when you discuss you know a lot of I've heard this practice before of writing it like you're writing a casual email to a friend or writing like you you know blank or keeping someone in mind like your best friend or something like that that you're writing to you do you use any of those processes uh, when when you're kind of finding that voice for for when you're writing whether it's a book blog post whatever you're doing
1: no I have um, I know I have a very distinctive blog voice right not exactly. Like when I'm talking to you or someone I know, I don't talk like Seth's blog. So the Seth's blog voice is a different voice than me at breakfast. Um, So it's not the same as if I send you an email. Uh, And I think that's okay. I think having a distinctive style, you know, being more like Elvis, being more like Dylan, being more like Leonard Cohen, when you make a list of the people who have longevity and impact, they tend to have a unique voice and go ahead and make one.
0: Very cool. And all right, we're le- we're gonna go right into we're like speed round today because we're this getting everyone great. in. You love the speed round. So so, this kind of leads into, and we're gonna talk at the end about you have a hat trick of books, just like this is your third interview. We got three books coming out. Um, and by the way, I went online and researched and could not find the proper pronunciation, so I'm not even gonna try it. I'm gonna let you do it for me for the for the main event here, which is is it the Icarus? Icarus.
1: Well, I'm not Greek. But I grew up with Icarus. Everyone okay. I've ever talked to about it says the words Icarus. Okay. Icarus's father was named Daedalus, um, and the Minotaur is involved as well. So okay. I think you should be safe saying Icarus unless someone Greek wants to correct me. Okay, got it. Right, so we your next question. I'm going to turn the lights because the sun just set. All One right, second. go ahead. And,
0: and while, while you're doing that, Seth, uh, I'm going to talk about a couple of things. So the Icarus deception, how high will you fly? V is for vulnerable, and what's she gonna do with that duck uh, of a hat trick of books coming out? Now, we're gonna talk about that later, but it leads into kind of our next session, uh, section here about books sure. and questions about that. And Tora, who I believe all the way from Australia, uh, had a question sort of about this, what we just mentioned your book titles. Uh, she says, Seth, how do you come up with such awesome book titles? She says, I have a book written and edited, ready to be published, can't nail the title, frustrating. How do you come up with such amazing ones? Is it just you're in the shower, you do this? Like, how does, it, how does it work for you?
1: Yeah, there is a lot of showering involved, but here's the real problem <laughs> people have. Almost no one I have ever met actually has trouble being creative. What they have trouble with is shipping creativity, mm-hmm. that they discard their creativity in favor of safety. So Torah and everyone else has come up with weird, edgy, memorable, important names or concepts or innovations, but they are afraid to say them out loud. Because if you say them out loud, you might have to do them. And if you do them, people are going to criticize you. And uh, all my best, most successful work, all of it, has been criticized as not a good idea, it's never going to sell, you're going to regret that, it's way too far outside the box, what do you mean you're doing that many blah, 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 blah. That's how I know I'm onto something. And if you do something and everyone says, yep, that's great, then you're hiding something.
0: Oh, interesting. Interesting perspective on it. So, Tori, get that book done, by the way. Get it out there. I don't care what you name it. Uh, So uh, this is an interesting question involving books. I know you're obviously, you can see behind you here, an extremely avid reader uh, 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 across the board. I thought this was a very interesting question from Nick. Uh, And he was talking about what category, if there is one, um, of reading material do you, Seth, get the most kind of wisdom and insight from that leads to your work. I'm assuming it's the trashy romance novels, but I could be wrong. I'm just going to, that's what I'm going with, but I, I could be very wrong here.
1: You know, it's interesting. It used to be when the business world was shuffling its deck in 1999, 98, and 2000, that Wired plus Fast Company plus a Neil Stephenson novel was sufficient to turn my world completely upside down. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the couple years after that, there was a spate of business books that you could just count on that would change everything. Harriet Rubin launched a whole bunch of books, starting with The Republic of Tea through her uh, tenure there. Uh, There were books like uh, The train Manifesto, all the way up, you know, I mean, sort of toward the end of it was things like Chris Anderson's long tail. Right. So there was a period where I was reading a book a week that would just change everything. And that has faded for me that the, the, oh, the chances that I'm going to read a business book today that contains something brand new are very, very small. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, you know, I don't feel like I'm drying up, but when I need uh, a checkup from the neck up, as my friend Zig would say, I listen to podcasts and oh, interesting. I am finding that not podcasts about business, but um, you know, I'll listen to Mark Marin. Um, ah, listen,
0: former right? guest of the show, WTF.
1: Yeah, Mark's a character. Yeah, uh, yes uh, he is. I'll, I'll read an email from Bob Lefsitz. Uh, this morning I listened probably for the first and last time to Penn Gillette, who's good, but it takes way too long. Um,
0: I've listened to him before, I agree with you by the way. I like Penn and it takes, you were a little bit, you were like, kind of, let's get into yeah, yeah. it here. Let's get going here.
1: <laughs> um, You know, so because what it turns out is people with something to say don't have the patience to wait a year and write 200 pages to say it in a book, but they're willing to turn our world upside down in the right sort of conversation. Uh, Uh, And I think that there is nothing magical about books. There's something special about books, but that doesn't mean all the good ideas are there.
0: Uh, that it's super interesting. I'm mean, going to make sure to email those folks to tell them you gave them a little shout. But Mark and, and Penn and who else did you mention there were some of your favorites just in case people want to check them out?
1: Um, all right, Bob Lefsitz who, oh, yeah. who writes a daily email newsletter. Uh, if you do anything having to do with media or music, you really need to read Bob's stuff. I, and it's all online, so you should go back and catch up.
0: Uh, very cool. All right. One more kind of question on the, on the sort of authorship reading area here. Um, and, again, this is one of those, like, mistake questions. And, and so I, I sometimes like to rephrase these because I don't see anything as a mistake. It's always a learning experience, sure. something like that. But, but Josh said, uh, dear Seth, uh, he said, what, what is the biggest mistake that you feel like you've made as an author where specifically maybe you made an assumption about your customers that turned out to be false uh, or something like that where you were like, okay, next book don't do that
1: yeah um let me see if it's here yeah so this is one of my favorite books i ever wrote and Survival's you didn't not enough you didn't read it no one has read I, it. I
0: haven't i haven't read it i'll admit it And i'm a junkie so, and, <laughs> so that's and a sign. The,
1: for, the forward by the way if i can find it here and you can read it here i don't know if you can see in the camera there forward by charles darwin okay That wasn't easy to pull off. This is a book about evolution and about science and about change. You don't want to write a book that includes all three of those things and hope that a lot of people are going to read it. You surely don't want it to come out four weeks after Um, 9-11. But mostly what I learned from that project is uh, attention spans are getting shorter. Fear is a significant factor in the lives of most people when they go to work. And when you overlay that with a huge analogy that takes a lot of thinking, it changed a lot of people who read it, but not that many people read it. So I don't want to call it a mistake because I treasure the things that sure. didn't just write. But certainly the publisher who paid a lot of money for it is disappointed that I didn't write something like the book that came after that.
0: that was, so I was just going to ask next, is what came next? Because I guarantee you went the other
1: way with what it. Next is called Purple Cow. There we <laughs> there go. You can't go more in a different direction than I did.
0: And and, and and I see it the same way. I don't see it as a mistake by any means, but I see it as, and then look what happened. Look, probably maybe the purple cow wouldn't even existed if you hadn't experimented with that one and seen, exactly. okay, it's a little too much or whatever it might be. That, that That's exactly. an interesting way of looking at it for sure. And by the way, yeah. I, now, I have, now I'm curious. I have to go check it out at some point if I can find it somewhere, dust it off. and. If, and if check. you
1: read it and you don't like laugh, it, <laughs> I'll send you a refund. Okay, okay.
0: Deal, deal. I might take you up on that. So, all right. Uh, you mentioned podcasting before listening, and actually, you've been doing some. Uh, you did some with, a, a, I believe it was called Startup Weekend Show. It was like a series that you did that, that went on iTunes. Is that correct? That you did a, it was called Startup Weekend. Something okay, so like a- not,
1: let me be really clear. Okay. I did set out to do a podcast, and I might do a podcast, but that wasn't it. Okay. I made a promise to entrepreneurs when I did this seminar. I said, look, if you can't make it, it's expensive, it's in New York. I'm just going to make an audio of it, and I'll upload it. And then uh, Jeff came to me from Earwolf and he said, look, you know, we know a lot of the same people. I've been to your seminar. We trust each other. Let me make it into something. We'll produce it, make it better. I said, great. And he chose t- to deliver it in podcast form because that's what his company does. Um, so I'm happy to share what I was doing, but I don't want people to think it's this formal, polished effort. What you are is a fly on the wall on something where I wasn't paying attention to the microphone. And I think as you've proven uh, to your listeners... It takes a lot of focus and effort to make a world class podcast. Sure. Um, and that's not what this is. This is just listening in on me doing something else.
0: I got it. Again, it's interesting because a lot of people kind of saw that and immediately, of course, the internet starts buzzing. Seth's doing a podcast. I, I knew differently from, from checking it out. But, you know, is your take? And, and you've always been someone that said, okay, you know what? Here's what I do I do it every day, I do my blog. I don't do funny photos with cats, I don't do Seth on a bicycle giving lessons, I don't do all these different things, I stick with my bread and butter, sort of like one of, some of the great pitchers in baseball, I know you don't like sports analogies, so I'm going to do it anyway, but they have they have one amazing pitch, and they sure. throw the pitch over and over again, and no one can hit the pitch. Right. Do you ever see yourself venturing possibly into that world at all, or is it more like, you know yeah, what? Yeah, it could happen.
1: You know? I, I, gotta, I spend way too much time thinking about what I'm doing next, and... I'm getting much better. Just letting it happen when it happens.
0: All right, very cool. All right, so a few more little quick ones, Seth, and then sure. we're gonna we're gonna talk a little book here. I want to be respectful of the time for sure. It's been great. Um great. But uh, are you liking the questions? But I think we have a You're super smart you, audience. For you sure. have a
1: very smart audience. It's and I true. just
0: have to sit here and, and ask him for, it, for him. So it's e- my job's easy today. So all right. So there were a lot of questions that were more. I don't want to say about productivity in general, but more about uh, your productivity. And uh, Kate was saying, amongst many other people as well, um, that it seems that, you know, you are highly functioning when it seems to getting stuff done, getting books done, getting blog posts done, getting, at least it seems that way, I'm saying, uh, from, from the outside perspective. Do you have some kind of, you know, methodology that you use, like, you know, I wake up and the first thing I do is I write, and then, it, you know, regardless of what happens the rest of the day, or you're a night person, do you have some kind of productivity time or something like that where you work towards creativity? Because I know it could be exhausting as well.
1: Yeah, the method is really simple. I don't watch TV, I don't go to meetings, and I do things that I'm afraid of. Mm-hmm. That's all. There you go. So, I, have, some, some I, I have never met someone who does those three things who can't get a lot done.
0: Interesting, interesting, and this leads to one of the most popular questions. This might be a surprise you, Seth, uh, at, that a lot of people ask this question, and I think Tommy D put it the most eloquently/slash funny. So that's why I'm going to choose his to ask. But many, many other people ask this as well, and it involves relationships um, in general, and specifically business relationships. Mm-hmm. And Tommy was saying that how do you keep up with the plethora <laughs> of high-powered relationships in your life? In fact, he says keeping in contact with grandma is hard enough. What about all the CEOs and entrepreneurs and authors and all these people that you know sure. Seth that feel like they know you? How do you kind of deal with that, if you will? Yeah.
1: Now, it's, a, it's a brilliant question and the answer I'm afraid isn't uh, pithy or short. Let me try to Take break your time. It into try, try, piece, you, we don't need pithy or short. Pieces. <laughs> Um the first que- the first thing is you need to understand what you want. Um, that if you are running around Collecting numbers, trying to please whoever's in the room with you—it's way less likely you're going to achieve where your goals are and what you are trying to 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 accomplish. So, you know, if if someone shows up and says, you know, we've emailed six times, let's have lunch—I'm going to say no to that person for a few few reasons. Reason number one is it's inconceivable to me that me having lunch with them is going to change their life for the better or help me achieve what I'm trying to do. I do know it's going to take two hours of both of our time and I just can't honor that. Yeah. Number two is making promises you can't keep is really, really a problem on the internet. You know, Facebook has this concept they call, I think, friends. Well, right. those people aren't your friends. Like David, how many friends do you have on Facebook?
0: Uh, a scary amount, probably yeah. over 10,000. They're not yeah. your
1: friends, they're your friendlies, right? They're your friendlies in that they are aware of your existence on this earth but they're not gonna come to your funeral. And understanding, Dunbar, uh, a professor at Columbia has written about Dunbar's number, 150 people, that Bedouins in the desert, when the tribe gets to 150, they split. You can't have more than 150 people in the circle. At Gore-Tex, every office has a maximum, every factory has a maximum of 150 people. That's all our brain can honor in terms of true connection. So if you've passed the number 150, and almost everyone in the internet has, you've got to make a decision about... Who's friendly and who's a friend and you have to deliberately treat them differently so i don't treat people better because they're better known or because they're some sort of ceo i treat people better and make promises to them about me as a human if they're in this circle of folks that i'm able to honor my commitments to Mm -hmm. and so you know when you show up in my email and say you want to do one of these again my brain goes like this well he's really smart He's got a great tribe. He leads them in a way that that I'm proud of. And he's never let me down. So I trust him. I think he trusts me. Okay, that's worth my time. Because my job right now is to tell people about the work I'm doing. And we are, quote, using each other to do this. Right. But you and I aren't going to have lunch. And you're not inviting me to lunch. And I'm not inviting you to lunch. And we're both okay with that.
0: Right? I'm somewhat sad. No, I'm just kidding. I understand.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so- I've made this decision. I don't do any consulting. I don't do any investing. I don't do any advising. And if you ask me to lunch, I'm not going to go. Not just you, anybody. Right. That's hard. But in exchange for that pain, what I get is efficiency and productivity and the ability to move the needle and do what I want to do. Mm -hmm. So when Twitter showed up, I had a choice. I said, I could have a sort of broken, friendly type relationship with a couple hundred thousand people, or I could not. And I said, what's in it for them? Not much. What's in it for me? Less than not much. It will completely decimate my ability to do work I am afraid of. Mm-hmm. So I made the difficult decision to say I will not tweet. And you know, I experimented with it under another name. I saw how it worked. I'm not faking that I sure. understand Twitter. I know how Twitter works. But I can then look at it and say, that's not going to get me where I am trying to go and where my tribe wants me to go. So I'm going to just say no, and no is a really valuable term when it's used to expose you to more things that you are actually afraid of.
0: Yeah, it makes sense because otherwise, you know, you'd be doing a a ton of lunches. You'd probably be twice the size you are now and have half as many books if that. So I I understand what you're saying by that, and it's almost a little bit of saying, okay, there's some things that you need to sacrifice to actually get the work done. Otherwise, there would be no work done. There'd be lunch all day, you know?
1: Exactly my point all yeah. right
0: makes a lot of sense so I, I think we'll wrap I mean, there's more questions here from folks But I know there's a million of them and I want to make sure that we have time here to talk about um, the, the trifecta of books and also I know you always do something interesting and new when you when you put a new book out That is kind of uh, either in the book or involving marketing or something like that So we're gonna talk about that so we have the hat trick that's coming out here um, the Icarus deception how High Will You Fly, V is for Vulnerable, Life Outside the Comfort Zone, which is more of a picture book with with Hugh McCloud. That's probably downplaying what it is. What are you going to do with that duck and other uh, provocations, which is a massive uh, collection of blog posts and things like that. So tell us what's going on with this. Um, you're now kind of back more towards your traditional publisher and different things going on. So what can we expect and tell us a little bit about what's going on?
1: Well, let me just give you the short version that I think is more relevant to authors, which is when Kickstarter started to hit its stride, and my friend Amanda Palmer had such success with her LP, I said, maybe I can show authors how this can be sort of an onboarding, pre-organization step before you self-publish or work with a publisher. So I put up a Kickstarter in June, and we hit our goal in three hours, and we sold out basically in six days. And what I learned from that is that if you can just organize the first 10,000 copies going into the world, and a lot of authors can, Mm. you can then turn around to the book publishing community and say, guys, I'm in charge now. These are the terms. And they have to say yes, because you've eliminated all the risk, because all the risk in book publishing is in the first 10,000 copies. Right. After the first 10,000 copies go out, it's either going to sell or it's not based on its goodness, not based on marketing. So... Why three? Because Kickstarter is really, even though the guys who run it don't believe this, a store. It is not this thing where all these people are suddenly charitable, because people unfortunately aren't. They look at the prizes and they say, Oh, this prize I really like. I'll I'll pledge for this. So it's basically a you know a new kind of eBay, right? right. So we needed a lot of prizes. So the four dollar level was you could read the book for four days digitally and then it disappears. And the thousand dollar level is you get eight copies of one book, two copies of another book, uh, a, a giant copy, which I'm not selling now, uh, 19 pounds.
0: I've seen that, by the way, and there's an unboxing of that on YouTube, which I know you've linked up. It is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my entire oh. life. Just letting you know. I mean, it's like, the guy can't even pick it up. He's trying to pick, he can't oh. even pick it up.
1: I love making it. It took two full containers, 60,000 pounds. Anyway, so so I got, the magic is, now I owe this group of people some books. So suddenly... I'm making books for my readers instead of looking for readers for my books. Mm-hmm. And the reason I did it this way is not because I need to to get to market, right? An ebook will do that. I did it because I wanted to show other people they could do it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did in June. So I spent all summer making this stuff, and now it's ready. So the Icarus book is just a regular Seth Godin book that I hope will rock people's world. Uh, v is for vulnerable, is gorgeous, and every person, every person I have handed it to reads the whole thing while I am sitting there. I have never seen anything like it. It's, it's, like, it's
0: like you've left the room. They're just going to sit there with, with their, so, yeah.
1: So great. And then uh, what you're going to do with that duck, we took the 19-pound book, took out the color, made it reasonably sized, made it shorter. So it's not this beautiful book, but it is a 625-page book that, you know, it's your bathroom reader for the next nine months, basically. So those are the three books. They're all coming out right after Christmas at the end of the year. But I don't usually care about launch day Mm because I'm more interested in launch year or launch decade. If four years from now someone reads one of these books, it will have been worth writing.
0: Yeah, I think you sent me an email once. I'm going to try to paraphrase it once that said, you know, like launch matters. Long-term impact matters a thousand times more or whatever it was, something like that. Yeah, very cool. Well, Seth, this has been awesome as always. I'm going to make sure that we link this all up below. I know I'm going to get the trifecta. I hope everyone else does as well. Um, and any kind of uh, final thoughts for Rise Nation? And thank you so much, Seth, for coming on as always and being so well, generous with your time.
1: Here's the final thought. You know, a long time ago, I stopped needing to sell books, and that's why I give so much stuff away. The reason I do this is because it's very important to me that people not hide their art. It's really important to me that people understand that this is about more than doing your job, that you woke up this morning not to do what your boss says or to figure out how to make a nickel, but to do work that matters. And you have assembled this group of hundreds of thousands of people who are doing work that matters. And all I can hope is that people will do even more of it.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Seth. This has been awesome as always.
1: pleasure. This was Seth Godin
0: on the rise to the top. Thank you so much for coming on. Everything is linked up below. All the books, all that information. Reminder, subscribe, get free shows, therisetop.com slash VIP. Enter your email. I'll see you next time. I'm David Seidman Garland. And remember, if you want some fluff, you know what to do. Go pet a bunny. And one more quick reminder, a quick shout out, a quick thank you, a big thank you to our sponsor, GoToMeeting. We appreciate you guys supporting sponsors of the Rise to the Top. It allows, you know, us to have these shows without any interruptions during it or a ton of ads or anything like that. So, head over to gotomeeting.com, easiest way to do collaboration online, do your meetings, you know, um, talk with your team, you got a virtual team, whatever you're doing, talk with clients, customers, etc. uh do it via webcam, do it easily, do it from your iPad, do it from your computer, whatever. Head over to gotomeeting.com, click the try it free button and then enter the promo code rise. You get 45 days free.